The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of On the List. It today is January eighth, January eighth. Yeah, I am so mm-hmm. good at dates, and <laughs> I am your host, Austin Bristow the second, joined this evening by the one, the only Alex Fast. Fast, how are you doing, my man? I mean, with your uh, what is it, dual set tones, with your sultry voice in my ear, I really, I can't be bad, you know? I'm glad I invested in some nice headphones because it, you are making it worth it right now. I mean, this is, what a great voice you have. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, thank you, my friend. You know, I do what I can. No more, no less. That's all we can do. Now, I would like to acknowledge we are back for episode nine after a bit of a hiatus. It's been a month or so since I've been on the mic here. I've been a busy man. I uh, actually just made a big move across the country. I was living in uh, central Illinois, and now I moved down into uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. So moving across the country, and that, that's uh, that's kind of taken up a bit of my time. So that's mm-hmm. made for a bit of a gap here, but we are back, and we are going to be Isn't there back. some other small life event you're planning for as well that might have taken up a good chunk of your time and oh, life you know there's weddings and things and uh fiance's school so i i moved down here to greensboro with my fiance and my cat um because, in that order in that order um okay, good. <laughs> uh, because she's going to be attending school down here at elon university attending a master's program so uh, we're all very excited for her and i'm very happy to be down here supporting her and all that kind of stuff um, but we also are getting married uh, this summer um, in July. Uh, we are getting married in Illinois, which is complicated because we currently live 12 hours away from Illinois. Um, but <clears throat> that is what it is. And you know what? With all that being said, here we are. Yes. On the list. <laughs> on the list. Nice preface. I like that. Hey, man, I do what I can. 
So, uh, if you guys haven't joined us here before, each week I'll be joined by a writer from the Pitcher List staff. We talk baseball, we'll discuss anything they've been writing recently, and we like to do a mailbag session at the end where we answer your questions. You can send those questions to uh, community at pitcherlist.com, the email there, community at pitcherlist.com, or you can send them directly to myself on Twitter. I am at Bristowski. Alex, what is your Twitter handle, as if the people don't already know. What is, <laughs> as you said that you broke up, say that one more time. Of course, that's the first time you break up. <laughs> oh boy. What is your uh, Twitter handle, man? Oh, my Twitter handle is Alex fast eight. Uh, it has been a wild ride on Twitter this past year. I, 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 uh, I started with nothing and now I, I have a, a, the most meager of, of followings and I kind of joined the Twitter game a little bit late. So I feel like I missed the few years of like, uh, I, I'm not over it yet. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, sure. like, it's not a, it's not like a place of pure hatred. Like it is for <laughs> some people. Like I just kind of, you know, stick around with the, with the very lovely community that we have that I find to be very supportive and very kind. Uh, but yes, that's a very long winded way for me to say my Twitter handle, <laughs> which is Alex fast eight. Good. Yeah. I, uh, I just broke 400 followers uh, there yesterday, we go. so let's go. Nice. Feeling pretty Very good nice. about that. But if you, you guys should. aren't, if you guys aren't following Alex Fast, you gotta be. This guy is constantly putting out great content on his Twitter. There, that's Alex Fast Eight. So make sure you guys hop on there and uh, give him a follow. And where can they find your Twitter handle so we can get you up to a clean thousand? Oh, man, I am at Bristowski. And my last name, Bristow, S-K-I at the end there. Perfect. Perfect. Fantastic. So we're going to go ahead and get on into it. We had a bit of a long intro there, but that's all right. It's been a while. And, you know, it's fast. We're going to ramble. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. So <laughs> before we get too crazy, let's just ease on in. Alex. Tell the people a bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, sure. So I uh, was born in Maryland, born and raised uh, in Maryland, lived there until I was 18, went to college uh, at NYU for theater in 2006. Um, always kind of considered myself a little bit of a New Yorker. My family's from here. Uh, they moved down to Maryland to have me uh, and I have a brother and sister. Uh, but I've been in New York for 13 years, um, studied theater in New York, was an actor for 10 years, did, you know, that whole grind. Um, a lot of off-Broadway work, a lot of commercial work. Um, I did uh, started my own theater company. We uh, did shows in Philadelphia, did shows in Brooklyn, um, yeah, it was cool. It was, it was a fun time. Uh, then I went. Uh, I also I'm a, I'm a bass player as well. So I I was in a band for a little while. Um, I've pl been playing bass for man 17 years. Wow, I did not realize that. Uh, that all started for me. Now I feel old. I am 30 years old, and I've been playing bass for over half. My wow! I'm having an existential crisis. <laughs> uh, not even ten minutes into the podcast. Uh, Great stuff. Yeah, I, I remember. I don't know why this pops into my head, but the first time I think I wanted to start playing bass was when I heard "Flea" um, from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and that sure. kind of like uh, I was obsessed. Uh, and then that kind of you know "Flea" turned into kind of a gateway drug for Les Claypool and. Um, 
this dude Ryan from Mudvayne. I don't know if you ever listened to Mudvayne. Uh, loved him a lot. And then you know the more prodigious guys like Victor Wooten and Jakob Pistorius. Uh, yeah, so I played uh, in a band for a little while, and we had a little success, which was nice. And we opened up for some some big names, which was um, a lot of fun. Um, got to perform in front of a crowd of like uh, 13,000, 14,000 people, which was pretty wild. Yeah, that was a wild ride. Um, and then went to grad school and, and um, decided I, I wanted to uh, – that the acting life was going to be uh, a, a little too um, inconsistent for me because, you know, you're kind of constantly working for a new job. So I wanted something that was going to be a little bit more consistent. You know, I, I very much wanted to start a family. Um, and, yeah, I went to grad school and met my my, my now wife, Kristen, um, and then started <laughs> – uh, there's a lot between A and B here, or A and Z rather. But then started working at Major League Baseball about uh, two years ago, um, and uh, I work in their their gaming and VR department. I um, uh, set the rankings for their their video game RBI. Um, so I, like each week, I change the rankings for or, or how the players are doing. Uh, so with that said, you know obviously. This is me. I, I, everything I say represents me and only me. So you got to get that kind of corporate preface out there, <laughs> as you uh, do. As you do. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the uh, my life in 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 shambles. I, you know, it's so funny. I, I hate to already go on a tangent. William Faulkner. I'm sorry, you kind of uh, broke up. And all right those southern writers. Word tangent. Okay, good. I, uh, I I don't really I, I really dislike or hate William Faulkner, right? That writer, that kind of like Southern Gothic writer. Okay. And the reason I don't like him is because I find him to be very verbose, and the authors that I really enjoy are extremely terse. And God, do I wish I had that ability in my in my in my speaking. Just to be, you know, succinct. Just to be efficient. I, I, I am a man <laughs> of efficiency. And I wish sometimes, like, I just shut up. You know what I mean? Like, just get to the point. What, what happened to the past? I think I, bl- I went catatonic for 10 minutes and told a life story, and now we're back here. <laughs> Hopefully people are still listening, I hope. Man, that's how I feel during every moment of recording this show. It's just like, you know, we're just having fun. And people are probably listening. <laughs> yeah we you know want to I mean? listen to you i, I mean I, if they're not listening then who cares what we say except for maybe nick who definitely cares yeah exactly you know nick definitely cares we know nick we know we know papa keeps a very watchful eye over his uh over his minions absolutely papa pollock there <laughs> <laughs> so very cool that's a that is a storied and interesting life man i am a little jealous, gonna be honest. I did, I did okay. a little bit of the acting thing, um, okay. mostly just you know theater things. Nothing too. Uh, did never got paid much um, by sure. any means. But then you're like ninety seven percent of all actors. Then don't worry, you're you're the correct. same as me. Yeah, yeah. I did the had a minor in theater at Eureka College, so that was great. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about a little more baseball stuff now. So tell me about uh, the fantasy leagues you like to play in. You know, what's your favorite type of league? How many are you in? Tell me a little bit about it. 
Yeah, I I started, I think, much like everyone else, which is just a standard head-to-head category league on ESPN. And I grew – I'm still in one of those. I think I'm in four – excuse me. I think I'm in four total right now, one of which – or maybe two of which um, are head-to-head. And to be honest, it's not my favorite format. Um I, I really think it, there is really nothing more frustrating than putting up a week where you hit like 23 home runs and you lose to a, you know, you hit 23 home runs and the other guy hits four or whatever. Um, but you only have one stolen base and the guy has two stolen bases. Like as losing those categories uh, in the most in that fashion or losing a week because of something like that to me is is not indicative of your team as a whole. You know what I mean? Sure, absolutely. I, I totally understand the uh you know, the randomness that is head to head. Yeah, it's frustrating, right? For sure. Yeah. So I I, I, I think that as a result, I, gear, I I shifted more towards a point, points league. I, I became a commissioner of uh, a points league. And the difficulty for that is obviously setting the point value, right? What, what's going to be equal to what? What's fair? What's unfair? Do you detract for at-bats? Do you detract for strikeouts? That is an arduous process. But for those who are on the fence between points and, and head-to-head, if you can figure that out, if you can come – and it doesn't even have to be perfect. If you can come to a consensus with your league mates about what's fair and accurate in your own little 12-team or 15-team bubble, I truly think that it's it's the most rewarding fantasy format for sure yeah if you can find some point settings that everyone in your league agrees upon stick with it i mean if you guys if you guys stick with it you're going to be able to recognize what kind of players in your particular league are going to be valuable and if as long as you don't change and everything those type of players are going to continue to be valuable i mean right now um i'm taking part in the uh pitcher list best ball uh draft i'm doing a these four drafts of these draft and hold leagues where we're just going to, we got 12 teams. Uh, we're all going to draft 40 total players. And then uh, whichever week to week, uh, the player at third base on your team that gets the most points is going to be the one who counts at third base for you. Uh, so there's no transactions or anything, but it's a, it is a points league. And because I'm not at all used to these points, uh, the draft has thrown me through a loop a little bit. It's been, it's been sure. a bit tricky trying to figure out, you know, which type of guy is going to be valuable where, uh, especially like pitching. Uh, pitching is flying off the board. Um, we yeah. are, I think, eight or nine rounds in, and I think we've got over 30 pitchers off the board. I've only got one starter so far in Jameson Tyone, but I also drafted Edwin Diaz, who oh, okay. outscored most pitch starting pitchers last year. Yeah. So it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that goes. And I would agree. Points leagues uh, tend to be more fair and less random. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, it's a matter of who scored the most points. It's not a matter of, you know, well, this you, you got two more uh, points in batting average, even though I hit 17 home runs, you hit four. Yeah, that's so frustrating to me. Sure. And to go back to what you're saying about the best ball league too. Raps about why I also really never do mock drafts ever. Um, 
I, I, I don't like, it's just not for me to me, my particular league, things just happen totally differently. You know what I mean? Guys are valued differently. Um, and I understand the benefits of mock drafts to see where people are going to see, you know, to get a general consensus. But in my mind, I'd rather just stick to what my own guns are and reach where I feel I need to reach for particular players, fall back on guys I feel like I need to fall back on. I, I just never got the point. I also, I don't know about you, I, I like to do in uh, in my favorite league, and I shouldn't say favorite, in the league that I enjoy the most, I prefer auction as well, as opposed to stake. Sure. I have never done an auction league that actually plays through. I've done auction mock drafts because, very dissimilar to you, I love mock drafts i am a mock draft fiend. oh really yeah okay I, good so go on tell me tell me sell me on mock drafts sure i've got the uh premium version of couch managers i pay okay three bucks a month for that and it's well worth it just to support them honestly they do some great work yeah, over there at couchmanagers.com totally. but um over there i can set up custom mock drafts with any settings i want i can have 15 teams or i can have three teams if i want which would be silly but i actually recently did just set up a 15 team nfbc style so those huge rosters uh, mock draft because one of the other drafters that i was in one with uh, was like hey does anybody have premium and want to set this up so i figured you know what sure i mean if that will make someone happy, I may as well throw it together. It doesn't cost me anything. I've already paying for the premium. I sure. can set up as many of those customs as I want. So we've got people jumping in on that, and I'm working on that one right now. Um, but I, in general, for mock drafts, I enjoy doing them because, well, one, it seems to make the offseason a little uh, more bearable. I do a lot of slow mocks. Um, totally. It's throughout, you know, the winter months. And then once we get a little, little closer, I'll do a couple of, uh, you know, standard fast mocks. But um, I find it helpful to figure out a couple strategies on what if I take pitchers early here? What if I want to get like two of the top 20 pitchers? Or mm -hmm. what if I decide I only want one of them? Could Can I make a pitching staff that I like at the end of the draft with this strategy? How about this strategy, etc.? And which positions uh, do I need to make sure I don't miss out on? Like, sure. for example, I think first base has a pretty notable cliff after guys like uh, Matt Olson. Uh, right around 10-ish, I think there's a pretty notable cliff <clears throat> at first base. So I want to make sure that I hop in and grab someone before that happens. Maybe maybe I'm being um, – maybe it's my uh, leanings towards doing auctions that makes it a little bit different because you can always pay – for and get your guy you know what i mean sure uh so it, you don't really need to rely on the snake and, and i do hear your point certainly about like it is good to find where those tiers are for sure i think maybe i like <laughs> maybe i'm just immature maybe i just you know sometimes after a mock draft i'm like man i want this team like i hate that <laughs> i have to just give this team up you know what i mean yeah. it's like this it's like this come exercise on man this, this fake baseball team isn't gonna be real base real fake <laughs> yeah. baseball yeah real fake baseball yeah exactly fake, fake i can't baseball, come up with like man. a punny name for this team what are you talking about <laughs> man all i want in life is team names that are references to pop culture every year <laughs> yeah yeah of course 
Yeah, it, it, it really makes the it really makes the league. It really does. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. So now let's talk about your favorites. Now I know, and everyone knows, you're a Baltimore Orioles fan. My condolences. I am. Thank you. Yes, um, I appreciate it. So, how did you come to be an Orioles fan? And uh, do you have like a favorite player of all time, like whether, whether it be Orioles or otherwise? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I, I, I grew up going to the games like many others, um, and I grew up. You know, I, I've only cried once at a sporting event, um, which is kind of funny because you know I've been a Wizards fan and. Uh, it's been a rough season for them, um, and I've been a Ravens fan, and, and luckily that's um, that's gone a little bit better aside from this past week. The one time I cried uh, was about the Orioles, and it was in 1996. We had just moved in to our new home, and they lost to the Cleveland Indians in the ALDS, um, and it was brutal. Like, I don't, I just remember like weeping. I mean, to be fair, at this point I was eight. So, you know, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, my, I, my dad is a, is a, a, a baseball fan. He kind of fell off a little bit because he was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. They left and he didn't enjoy the team as much anymore. Then my best friend's dad, um, just like lives, eats and breathes baseball. And he was the one who took me to the games a lot. And as a kid, I was obsessed with Rafael Palmero. Oh. I just loved him. I maybe that's where the mustache came from. Who knows? <laughs> um uh and maybe that's where my obsession with steroids came with. Uh no, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> I like I, the concept of you just being super jacked. <laughs> I was I just loved him. And obviously, you know, Cal Ripken was kind of mainstay in Maryland, but I loved that whole team. I loved um you know, Roberto Alomar, I loved Chris Hoyles, uh, when we had Mike Mussina, um, I, I, I loved all those guys. And then to be, I'm not going to lie. I, I, f I fell off a little bit in the, in the 13 year collapse. Um, Reasonable. it was just tough. It was tough to really, no kid was like, dad, can I get a Sidney Ponson Jersey for Hanukkah? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Just, I don't think I've ever heard of Sidney Ponson. He was uh, he was um, he was from Aruba. He had a few good years. Uh, I think he got arrested on a DUI, but I don't blame you. Um, you know, they tried to get us with the Sammy Sosa's with the uh, 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 with the Vladimir. Guerrero. Um, but it was tough. Um, and then fantasy baseball kind of got me back into it uh, overall as a favorite. I just love Ichiro Suzuki. Oh, don't I love him. him. I, how can you not? Like, how can you not? He's he's so much fun to watch play. You, lo I love the respect he gives the game. Like, uh, I just love him. I love Same. him. I hope he plays till he's 50. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. So we're we're my wife and I are planning our, our late honeymoon and we're, we're fortunate enough to be going to Japan. Um, and I won't lie. My first hope was that we would get to see uh, the Mariners versus um Oakland, which I think is how the season starts this year, uh, and I don't think it's going to happen. But I, 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 I may shed a tear if he retires after that Japan series. I mean, I think that's what he's going to do. I think he's going to retire after that first series. He very well may, and it, it will be sad because he's been such a mainstay in the game and such a powerful oh. presence. I think for the players, yeah. yeah. Like it's weird to see guys come over. Um, 
uh, like, oh, what's his name? The guy who just uh, assigned Yusai Kikuchi. Um, sure. And be like, he's my hero. You know what I mean? Like, Correct. It's so weird to see that. Yeah. Kikuchi's saying he just wants to meet Ichiro, and he's not actually sure he's real because he's just basically a yeah. god among men over <laughs> yeah, in Japanese baseball like a, sphere. A, a figure in the sky, he said, or something like yeah. that. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like he really, really, really wants to meet him and shake his hand and have a conversation. And that's kind of adorable. Yeah. Because we're all him in that moment. You know what I mean? Like, we're oh, just absolutely. all him. Um, but I think if, if I were to, you know, if I were to go younger, um, I like I love watching Albies and Acuna together. I think their relationship is like really healthy for the sport. Oh, um, I, ju- I just want them to be Braves forever. Forever. I know. Of I, course. I love them. They, they are they're like my children, even though we're basically the same age. It's funny you say that too, because I I really when I when I found out in essentially the end of week one that the Orioles were gonna be having a tough go of it for this year, <laughs> I really followed the Braves a lot, and I've really come to um, enjoy that franchise a lot. Uh, I I really love Freddie Freeman. I think their one through nine is is fantastic, um, and I, I just wanted to say that because I know you're a very big Braves fan. Well, I appreciate that, and you know what? We graciously welcome you onto the bandwagon. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Very good. Now, here's one. Uh, it was This was actually a community question that was asked to Dave in episode eight. Uh, and then I've decided that it's such a good question that I'm going to ask all the writers from this point forward in this first section. Now, I want to know, is there a particular article that you've written that you are like notably proud of? Um, huh. Well, I, I, I want to preface by saying that this staff is filled with uh, much, much better writers than, than me. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it really is. And uh, I've mostly been on the podcast side. I've, I've published my fair share. I got my start before we did the podcast publishing articles about prospects uh, in, in the minors during the course of the season. I would say of the small amounts that I've done, it's a tie between the, the Jack Flaherty one, which with hindsight was was a good one, which is nice. Correct. Um, I've, I've been wrong about plenty, but it was nice to, to be right there. But really, I think the one that I was most proud of, which kind of took me by surprise, was the one that we stopped, the series called MLB Debuts, where we oh, wrote – a small blurb on the new people coming into the game. Um, and we, we stopped doing it. It, it wasn't really popular and, and that's totally fine. I mean, th- that's what this website's all about. And I got a lot of help from Ben. I think I got a lot of help from Adam and a few other names. And I'm probably, I was forgetting. in there. Yeah. Yes. You were in there, Austin, you were in there as well. It was a lot I of fun. Just, it was a lot of fun and it sucked to, to have to take it down and, and it was a lot of work, and you guys, oh, it was. We all bust our butts for it. We we really did. Um, but I just, I loved, like that is why I love the sport. Like it's the same thing. I'm sorry. Go on. No, sure. I that was how I found out about Derek Rodriguez. I was able oh, to, wow. I was able to pick him up in my dynasty league um, before anyone realized he was going to be anything. Because I wrote the MLB debuts blurb on him. That's amazing. Isn't it? That is amazing. And that's also the same way I found about, um, oh, what's I think it's Diego Castillo, the uh, the reliever for the Rays who came yeah. up in the middle of the year. I was like, oh, wow, this guy's got some filthy stuff. Right. Um, 
Yes, it was it was fun. I, I'm, I'm writing a series of articles now about the, the guys in Winterball, and I, I feel the same way, right? Like, I don't mind researching these guys because these are the guys that no one's talking about. You know what I mean? Obviously, I'm talking about Willie and Zestudio, who's another one of my favorite players, um, as much as possible. But <laughs> that, that, to me, is the joy and why I personally uh, want to be with PitcherList as long as possible is like – you you you've got to humanize these dudes these people they're human beings they're not just statistics and like exactly they i I just love bringing those stories to the uh to the forefront i do very cool yeah that was a that was definitely a lot of fun to do the those mlb debuts things i remember just the times that i was you know put in charge of the one for the day i would sit down in the morning be like all right let's see what we got and you never really you were gonna find because these are all players you've never heard of unless it's like someone some big prospect coming up um but most of them are just guys that you never really would hear about um that you know are up for a week and then they may never see the mlb again and it's kind of cool to you know give them that spotlight there for a little bit so yeah Yeah. i can i can 100 get behind that answer there yeah you hit the nail on the head it's it was nice to i think about this a lot but i try not to be like I'm I'm a, I'm a nobody writer. Like I'm not a name. You know what I mean? I'm a nobody. And I, but in the off chance that you know this small dude, especially these guys in Winterball, are like googling their name, in the small chance they see that we have written about them, like that just it may never happen. And this is why I also never, or I do my best never to say anything disparaging, even if a guy sucks. You know what I mean? Right. Because these are these are people. They're people. He didn't work his these, butt this off. This is somebody's to have like son. Seven ERA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. You said we were going to have tangents, and unfortunately, I've been responsible for for many of them. Uh, oh, but I guess dude, that's what this show is based around tangents. That is what I do here. Is okay. I just try to rein in people's tangents and try okay. not to get on too many myself. Okay. That's literally what my job is. <laughs> uh, all right, good. I, I hope not. For I hope some that... reason, Nick trusts me to do it well. <laughs> You're very good. You're very good at what you do. You're very good at what you do. Oh, thank you. Now, one more here before we get into the meat of our discussion. You know, we're already, what, 30 minutes in? Oh, well. It's right. <laughs> you know, that's also the part of it where we want to get to know you guys. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so what else do you like to do outside of the baseball realm? I know, uh, you know, your literal, like, day job is still baseball, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> what – is there an outside of baseball for you? Yeah, yeah, there is. There is. Um, well, there's not an outside of work, which kind of stinks. So because since I work for essentially baseball and a video game company, that is um, – I play a lot of video games, which is great, uh, and I'm not complaining about that. Um, I have an – I don't have an Xbox. Pardon me. I have a PlayStation and a Switch. Um, I've been playing a lot of Switch recently, did a lot of Celeste, um, a lot of Hollow Knight. Uh, a lot of uh, Dead Cells. Um, really liked a lot of the indie games that came out. Um, did Red Dead Redemption, and I like you know I like plenty of the AAA games. I did Spider Man really quickly, and, and I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, was so much fun. Spider Man was a lot of uh, it was a lot of fun. I think it got a little repetitive at the end, but I I will not deny them how well they did with that. Uh, like flying around the city was just amazing. 
You know what I mean? Like just like the, the feel of that and the, and the balance of that. Um, I also picked up this game called Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, which is the Switch game. And I think it's a remake of an old like Sega Genesis or like Nintendo game. Um, so I do a lot of that. I love to read. Uh, big, big, big reader. Um, just not Faulkner. Not Faulkner. No. <laughs> uh, if this were a more not suitable for work podcast, I would say something about Faulkner, but I won't. Um, but I'll, I will let you know that it would be alliterative and it would be two words and it would end with Faulkner. Um, <laughs> so you can take we'll that. leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it, leave it at that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the one good thing about having a 45 committed to Muke on, uh, on a train in the morning since I live in New York City is that ability to kind of be able to read, uh, which is nice. So, yeah, between that and, um, you know play music and and listen to music i've been uh i've been getting a lot of weird like japanese rock on my spotify discover this band called i think it's like vampilia um which has been cool i'm obsessed with this dude named jacob collier um who is just this like whiz kid um listen to a lot of like funk a lot of old jazz uh like everyone else in brooklyn i've got a nice little record collection um, I'm not ashamed to admit. Um, no, I am ashamed to admit. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of me. <laughs> and then, you know, spending time with my lovely wife, of course. She, right, you know, right. That, yes, uh, for sure. That. that is very nice. I do love her. We have a lot of fun going to movies and hanging out and stuff like that. Yes, my wife, the woman that I love. Yes. Yes, yes. I am not reading this off a cue card. I do love her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. No, she's the best. And I'm sure you'll say the same thing about your fiance. Anyone, any, any person who lets you pursue your dreams is someone who should be in your life. Oh, uh, absolutely. And, and I, I was literally just before we started recording, I was talking to my fiance and saying, you know, thank you for, you know, allowing me to do picture lists and stuff like that. Cause I pour so much of my uh, oh. downtime and stuff into this. And she has to hear about baseball all the time. And she doesn't care about baseball at all, mm. but she listens to me and she puts up with it. And, you know, she's got in one of the questions that we're actually going to be answering later. So she love she, that tease. Isn't that, isn't that That's a little a tease, tease for you there? Like so, before we get to those questions, though, what we got to do is we got to get into the actual analysis portion of this thing. So let's do it. This is the fun part, folks. We are starting a brand new series here on the list. Uh, There's going to be a rankings debate series. So I'm going to be doing one podcast a week for 10 weeks, and we are going to go through every position with two casts for starting pitcher and outfield. Um, and we're going, I'm going to have a guest on each week that is going to tell me, um, where I am too high or too low on particular players in my own rankings that I've published on the site. And you guys can check that out. I've got my top 300 on there with positional breakdowns as well. So it's going to be a fun way to kind of go through and look at, uh, you know, the landscape of each position for 2019. Um, it's a good way for everyone to kind of get involved with that. So I'm very, very excited, uh, especially to be doing, you know, one podcast a week after that's such a long hiatus. It's going to be a great way for me to get back into it as well. And we're going to be kicking it off with Mr. Fast this week. We are talking about the first half of starting pitcher. So it's going to be basically like one through 50-ish 
mm-hmm. uh, I believe is where we're cutting that off. And so you got, you're going to handle the first half. And you've pulled up a few players here. Uh, let's see, it's three or four that I'm. you think I'm too high on, and then about three mm-hmm. that I am. you think I am too low on. So uh, why don't we just get right into it. And the first guy you think I'm too high on here is Chris Archer. And I'll be yeah. honest, this one surprised me. I thought that I was pretty low on Archer in general. And when I went to NFBC to look up his ADP, because we've got 51 drafts in NFBC now, ADP actually matters at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lower than his ADP. I've, I have Archer ranked as my 47th starting pitcher uh, at 165 overall. He's got a 133 ADP, and he's the 36th starting pitcher. So I'm definitely lower than uh, most of the industry at this point. So I'm interested to see what why you think I'm still too high. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, l- l- let me let me preface by saying that I, I think a lot of your ratings overall are actually quite fantastic of the ones that we've compiled many of these are are nitpicky except for one of two which is not chris archer we'll get to the ones that are uh uh, that i uh take more issue with later but as of now i really do think that a a lot of these are great and and let it let it be mentioned that it is fantastic to i think have another rating system on the site other than nick's because I don't think we exist in a bubble at PitcherList, and Nick never wants to make people think we exist in a bubble. So to have two pages a click away from one another that has different rankings I think is original and really refreshing and, and good to see. Um, so thank you for taking the time to do that. But, oh, absolutely. Um, but man, are you it. wrong. Man, oh. are you just wrong. No, oh, I'm, I'm, kidding. No, I'm, kidding. I'm <laughs> joking. I'm totally joking. Um, so when it comes to Chris Archer, I, I've kind of teetered back and forth on uh, on the fence with him a little bit. And actually, I, I think if you go to the mock draft uh, podcast that we did, um, uh, you could play my audio from that and I would get into an argument with myself because I was actually for pro side of Chris Archer. Um, and I think doing some research on him, I, I've changed – uh, a little bit. I think it very much depends on how the Pirates decide to utilize him. Uh, when the Pirates acquire a guy, the first thing that you're really going to see them do is an increased sinker usage. They've kind of been the organization that's known for having a guy rely on their sinker. They've been first or third in sinker usage almost every year for the past like 10 years, aside from last year, where I believe they were like seventh. Um, always top 10. If Archer can get his sinker back, then I think then that's a very nice purchase. And the place that you have him, I think, is really good. Um, the last time he really led with his sinker and it was the most dominant pitches in, in his arsenal was in 2014. The pitch had a 6.4 PVAL. Um, however, the sinker that he threw back then was much better than the one he started throwing more when he joined the Pirates. Obviously, there could be some cobwebs there. Um We'll see. Uh, in 2014, he was throwing it middle into right-handed batters. Last year, he was throwing it uh, uh, high and tight a lot. It wasn't. Re- it was t- high and tight to right-handed batters, but like a lot higher and a lot tighter. Uh, he just really didn't have feel for the pitch. Like I said, he could get a full off-season to kind of fine-tune the sinker, but let's say that he does. It's a different league than it was five years ago when he was dominating with the sinker. Sinkers are getting hit. A lot more often because of you know the the kind of uh, the uh, um, fly ball revolution that that kind of happened. So it better be a really 
really good sinker in order for him to have success because the swing planes are lower. And if you look at the rise in average uh, against sinkers in the past couple of years, it's on the rise as well. Um, at the beginning of the 2018 season, I really wanted to vouch for him. Um, he had, if I recall correctly, one of the largest disparities between his FIP and his ERA coming into the season. But the same thing happened at the end of this past season. He has a top 10 disparity between FIP and ERA, and I'm much less likely to assume that that bridge is going to be uh, uh, or that's going to be gapped a little bit. That's going to be closed up a little bit. Um, maybe the hernia surgery he had in November is a reason why he struggled in 2018. But if it wasn't, then I'm really worried about his fastball. They hit 305 off of it last year. And here's some people who uh, some other pitchers who gave up around a 305 average on their fastball last year. Chad Bettis, Brian Mitchell. Cole Hamels, who had the worst fastball in baseball in the first half of the season, and Dylan Bundy. Yeah, that's not what you want. That's not what you want. So add that to the fact that he's on a Pirates team that's competing in an NL Central that is getting better, especially the Cardinals. They're a lot better. And even the Reds. At last year, and the Reds, and the Cubs staying the same. The Pirates have not really taken a step back, per se. They, they've maintained a lot. They haven't lost a lot of people. his name uh, Luplo, that pitcher as as long relief now um but they haven't really taken any steps forward unless they think young okang can really you know come back and make a difference so with all of that said at the end of the day i think the value for chris archer comes the later you can get him in drafts and i don't think he's going to fall because i think he has that name value that people hear and they recognize and there's always one dude in your league who hasn't played or paid much attention to baseball and he's like oh chris archer he's good so he's always going to go a little bit too soon for me end of rant okay now i would like to be acknowledged that the the better value for players will always come the later you can get them in drafts because that's how value works but that's that's of course not the point um yeah, I I'm not sure. I'm not out on Archer by any means, um, because I I see him as a high threes, low fours ERA guy. I don't think he's gonna come back to you know his peak years in Tampa. Um, but last year was the first time um, that he had fewer than 32 starts. He started what was it 27 games last year? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um had a bit of a injury there I think, but it wasn't anything major, just kind of a day-to-day sort of thing that like, made him miss a few games here and there. Plus there was the trade where he may have missed one just because of uh moving over, etc. But I do expect him to get me 30 starts, 200 plus strikeouts because last year was also one of the lowest strikeout years he's had in a while 25 percent, where he's been at 29 27 and 29 for the past three years respectively i think he's going to be closer to 27 again um because the underlying statistics he's still got a 13 percent um swinging strike rate so i the underlying statistics really don't seem to make sense for him to just have that four percent drop in k rate all of a sudden mm-hmm. I, I i legitimately do think that uh he's going to be a decent value um especially when you consider the durability because um if you look at some of the other guys 
I have around him. I've got Carlos Martinez at 34, uh, start, starting pitcher at 34, uh, Charlie Morton at 35, Re- Alex Reyes at 42, Eduardo mm-hmm. Rodriguez at 43, Nathan Evaldi at 46, Alex Wood 54, Hyunjin Ryu 56. And again, mm-hmm. I've got uh, Archer at 47, kind of right in the middle of those guys. And if if we look at all of them, I mean there's a wide range of possibilities with them, but all of them seem to have, except for maybe wood, uh, all of them seem to have possibly a higher ceiling than Archer, but I think his floor is much higher than everybody on that list that I just gave. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. I I just think that if I look at the people that are kind of clumped around him up to wood, um, like I think I would rather have Hap, I think he's on a better team. I think he can get you a lower ERA and he might be able to get you around the same amount of strikeouts. Um, I mean, Hap had a hundred, I think it was like a 193 Ks last year, which is like wild to think about. Cause I don't think anyone's really like taking a step back and been like, Oh yeah. J Hap. He's really a, a strikeout wizard. Um, <laughs> but he's projected to really have like uh, Chris Archer, according to depth charts and steamer is going to have a 9.59 K per nine. J.A. Happ is going to have a 9.06 K per nine, according to depth charts and steamer. I think he's probably going to get you a few more wins. I think his ERA is going to be lower at the end of the day. Um, and then guys a little even bit further. Yankee like, Stadium? Yeah, I mean, even playing in, in Yankee Stadium, it didn't seem to bite him too hard at the end of last year. I mean, I, I think he was. It's fair. He was OK. Um, and I think that team is, you know, is obviously going to going to keep getting better. And listen, if if Manny is playing third base, then they have a huge defensive upgrade to their third baseman. Oh yeah. Uh, Andrew and Hara is hot garbage at third base. He's the, like, he was the worst. I, According yeah, to, we don't want to disparage people. He's a very talented hitter, but he's uh, yeah, not exactly. the best at playing third. Yes. He, he, he statistically was the worst third baseman uh, defensively last year. And mm-hmm. I, I do also think it's a big reason why if I would have had a vote, I think I would have given it to Shohei Otani um, for rookie of the year. But that's an old uh, conversation. Anyway, back to, to the to Jay Happ. Same thing with with Quintana. I know he fell off a little bit last year, but I do think he's on a little bit better of a team. Um, and he still can give you he still can be like a quality start machine. Um, sure. I yeah. And then I think so that's kind of, you know, that's not really that much different. Like if this is what I was talking about at the beginning, I would maybe drop Archer like five or six spots. He's not like a 10 spot below. You know what I mean? Not like egregious or anything. Maybe Andrew Heaney. I'd rather have. Yeah, definitely. I love that word. Uh, Yeah. But that that is kind of my counter as to why I'm why I'm a little bit low on him. It's those there's a lot of things up in the air. If he does get that sinker back, you just don't know what's going to happen with it. I'll be very curious to see how the pirates organization, which I always thought of has been a kind of, you know, forward thinking organization, uh, how they kind of react to what's happening with sinker usage right now. Sure. Okay. Well, I think that was good discussion there. Now, next guy here, uh, if Archer has a high floor, and a fairly low ceiling. This guy is the opposite. <laughs> uh, this guy has such a wide variance of what he might give you next season. And I'm talking yeah. about you, Darvish. Oh. I have Darvish as my 33rd starting pitcher, SP 33, 117 overall. Um, 
His ADP for NFBC is 158. And that makes him the 41st starting pitcher. So I am a bit higher um, than NFBC as far as Darvish goes. But I like Darvish. I, I think uh, I'm going to give my case here first this time. I think Darvish, um, he's been really, really good for all of his career, save for 2015, which he missed due to Tommy John surgery, and 2018, which he missed most of due to a myriad of injuries. He had only 40 innings pitched last year, and I will not count any of them towards anything we're going to see going forward. I, he was injured throughout all of it. And I don't think any of what we saw from him on the field last year is indicative of things to come. Uh, Theo Epstein uh, on Sunday, just this last Sunday was quoted saying that Darvish is in quote, really great shape and will be quote, full go on a normal full go on a normal schedule in spring training. So of course uh, they're going to say that, but Mm-hmm. If that is the case, if we can get 25, you know, or more starts from Darvish and he has a near 30% K rate, which he consistently has done before, you know, even last year in his, you know, atrocious 40 uh, innings, he still had 27% K rate. Um, I expect him, if he can have that 27% or even higher, that's going to be really valuable and he's going to win some leagues. Yep. But you still think I'm too high. I do still think you're a little too high. Before I get into why, as of right now, Roster Resource has you, Darvish, as the, as the fifth starter on the Cubs. And on the surface, that seems a little bit absurd because I obviously think a healthy you, Darvish, is better than Jose Quintana and better than Cole Hamels. But as of right now, let's let's say for the sake of argument that he is going to be their number five starter for the first half of the season. Knowing that, would would you change your rankings? I don't think so because I think he's he's either going to get to the point where we realize he's healthy and they kind of give him a bit more workload where he's maybe their number three behind uh, Lester and Hendricks, um, or he, it turns out he is injured and he ends up back in the DL. So I, I don't think where he's going to be starting out the year as far as in that rotation that doesn't really affect how i feel i don't think okay that's good to know um all right for for me i i think i once was where you were my friend i i I, (laughs) darvish was one of my keepers last year and i really am truly trying to disassociate from any sort of bias from that um, obviously, we're human beings. Maybe I do feel a little bit uh, burned by him, but hey, still got second place in the league, so maybe I'm not. I, I truly do think that Darvish may be um, a little bit of uh, someone who struggles with the mental aspects of the game. Um, I And I think we saw that maybe a little bit in the World Series. And then I was fortunate enough to watch him throw a bullpen session and watch how meticulous he was and how he filmed every pitch that he threw. And after throwing, it would go over and look at what he threw. Um, that kind of worries me a little bit. Um, more credence to him being a, a head case, I think, comes with the fact that He's wildly inconsistent even in his 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 starts. You know, Nick is kind of working on this VPR, this kind of volatility rating. And I'd love to see how Darvish ranks there. If you obviously I agree with you that 2018 should be a wash. But if you look at his starts, 
uh, from beginning to end, he goes five earned runs to one to four to five to zero to five to one to one. Let's take away 2018 if you if you want to. OK, the same thing happens in 2017. The same thing happens in 2016. He will rarely string together um, quality starts. If he does, it'll maybe be like two. Uh, and, and that can be a, a little bit frustrating. Sure. Um I also think that he just has way too much in his arsenal. I think that he should, like he has like eight or nine pitches. Like he has an absurd amount of pitches. And I, if if you if if Theo Epstein was like, you know what, we found the four best pitches or five best pitches that you Darvish should be throwing, and he's going to focus on those. Bam, I would be much more interested. I don't want to discredit how talented he is. And I agree with your points. He does have that ceiling to be able to give you, you know, like an 11 K per nine with like a mid three walk per nine and like a a mid three ERA. He totally has that. But considering his track record, uh, it's just hard for me to believe that's going to happen. And guys like my opinion are, are something I prefer to uh, let an other owner worry about because in a head-to-head league in a points league that's head-to-head um or any league that does like weekly matchups i don't want to live or die based off what you darvish does you know what i mean sure i don't want to have like my week come down to the fact that this just happened to be the week that you darvish threw um like you was hit for five earned runs. Obviously, yeah, I'm not dumb. That's going to happen every once in a while with every good pitcher. But it just seems to happen more with Darvish, especially where people want to draft him as like their, you know, their number two guy or maybe their upper number three guy. You're expecting, in my opinion, a little more consistency and output from him. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand with him. I think I'd rather have, especially after Michael Augustine's fantastic article. I think I'd rather have Kyle Freeland over him. Maybe even Nick Pavetta. Well, okay. And I've got Pavetta, you know, down at uh, 37. But I, even though they're not that far apart, I think I would pretty notably prefer Darvish. But, I mean, at a certain point, it becomes, you know, player preference. I, I liked your little uh, Alex Think Fast in there. Got to that, you know, <laughs> once per cast here. Sure, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with a lot of your points there. I do think uh, he probably would benefit from cutting down on all the pitches that he throws, um, which may put a little less stress on his arm, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe he could just kind of focus, you know, here's four pitches, five pitches even, that yeah. we want to make even better than you currently have them. So it he's definitely an interesting case. Um, he has the upside to be a high-end number two, but he also, I think, has the downside to be injured for a good portion of the year or even just not all that useful for your team and like you said yeah. he, he he is prone to a blow up here or there so i can't disagree with you um but when when he's i have him uh back to back to back to back to back with robbie ray at 116 then i have darvish carlos martinez charlie morton and tyler glass now all those guys are five in a row in my overall rankings because i see them all as pretty interchangeable mm. um they're all kind of 
each of them have their own little injury risk with them or their inconsistency risk as it would be with Glasnow and his uh, shaky control. So I see each of them as pretty high upside strikeout getters, all five of them. Yeah, um, I agree. But definitely come with a fair amount of risk. Mm-hmm. So I agree. if you if you have any of the five there, I think that you prefer notably over the other four, take him. Take him yeah. over the other four. Because I, I am not... The, the difference between SP32 and 36 is nil for me. And that's just where it's at. That's why I like to put the overall rankings next to the um, like uh, positional rankings there. So you can see, yeah, Robbie Ray is 32 and Glasnow is 36, but they're only five spots apart in the overall rankings. Yeah. All right. So let's do uh, this next one. This, I, don't, I don't think this should take us too long here because I think we're basically on the same page. But the next yeah. one here is Alex Reyes, yep. another very high variance player for the coming year. Mm-hmm. So I've got him at uh, my 42nd starting pitcher, 146 overall. NFPC's ADP has him at 176, which makes him their 50th starting pitcher off the board. So again, I'm a bit higher than NFBC. Um, as far as that goes. And I mean, with Reyes, his talent, you can't really debate it. He is one of the most talented uh, pitching prospects we've seen in a long time. Absolutely. Man, he has not been able to stay healthy. And that's such a shame for for the game, just as missing out on a potential star here for the past few years. Yeah. But with his injuries over the past couple of years, the big thing for 2019 is what role is he going to play? Because yeah. maybe he, maybe the Cardinals end up putting him in the rotation, and he gets some starts. There's, I see no world in which Jose Reyes or Jose Reyes, Alex Reyes, excuse me, uh, <laughs> where Alex Reyes makes 28 or more starts. I don't, I do not see that happening in 2018. There's no, or 2019. There's no way. Um, I think he's going to spend a fair amount of time in the bullpen, possibly. And there's even been talk of him possibly in a closer's role at some points. Because in St. Louis, they still don't really have a proper closer, even though they just signed Andrew Miller. It sounds like he's going to play that fireman role, which is another position that there have been talks about Reyes holding down. So whether he's going to be starting in that fireman role, even closing, it's going to be very 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 interesting to see how they utilize reyes even just in spring training hopefully they'll be able to give us a bit of a you know roadmap for where they want to take him this next year but yeah uh, what what are you what where are you at what are you thinking i i mean okay before that i want to take two seconds to say i love your ranking on max scherzer i love your ranking on jacob um because this is a, a even very polite. This is a contentious podcast because all we do is disagree. So I want to fit in a thing that I agree with you about. Um, now that I've said Much that, appreciate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got it. Um, I, I I think we we both uh, agree on the premise that we don't know what's really going to happen with Alex Reyes uh, with the Cardinals organization. And you might have a little bit more faith in what they do with him than I do. And that's essentially where our paths diverge. Um, like I agree with you um, uh, about his role. I think the thing that left a bad taste in my mouth of the Cardinals is they've shown their willingness to – well, two things. They've shown their willingness to give precedence to veterans. Um, the reason Jack Flaherty 
made a start at the beginning of last year was because Adam Wainwright wasn't necessarily ready and he wanted to be the first home like the home opener in St. Louis. And then the reason he didn't get a lot of innings at the beginning of the year was also because of Adam Wainwright, which is absolutely insane to me. And as much as I thought that they were going to finally part ways with him, they re-signed him to another one-year deal. And I thought maybe the managerial change would kind of shift some change uh, maybe in the front office. But no, they're they're still going to go with him. So if Wayno's healthy and Alex Reyes comes back and, you know, knock on wood, Flaherty's still healthy and Michaelis and Waka and uh, Martinez, he, he's not, he, not going to be a starting pitcher he's not going to be in the rotation he might be their long relief guy he might move you know john gant might not be the guy for them anymore um but i also think you know you, you, i don't know if you brought this up but i saw on your notes about the the 125 strikeouts that he's going to get you sure. um i think you might be able to get that even from a guy believe it or not like chris archer who you are more sure of to get you that role um i, I think and maybe we're kind of noticing a pattern here with how I spoke about you, Darvish, as well. I just personally, me as an owner, want something that's going to be a little bit more of a sure thing, especially that high in the draft. So Archer uh, – pardon me, Reyes would have to fall a little bit more for me um, to be to be willing to take that risk. If, But like you said, though, if he comes back and he's in the middle of the rotation or if he comes back and uh, he, he's going to be effective, he's got the stuff without a doubt. He's, he's a – very talented, and I'm very excited to watch him pitch in 2019. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's play a little name game with him here. Would you take uh, f- just general, you know, uh, 12 team five by five? Would you take him? Oh, take Reyes or Shane Bieber? Shane Bieber. Okay, Reyes or uh, Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove. Wow. Okay. Um, Luke Weaver. Ooh, yeah, da, 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 da. Uh, well, he's, he's on Arizona now, right? Correct. He should have a pretty solid, pretty solid, uh, consistent role there. Yeah, but God, with just no one around him, that team uh, lost a lot of their guys. Uh, I'll go. I'll go with Reyes. At that point, I think I'll have taken some other pitchers, so I'll take the risk on Reyes there. Okay, so he's got to fall because I've got Weaver at seventy, a seventy yeah. starting pitcher. So he's got to fall quite a ways for you. So yeah, this one is a a bit more egregious, if you will. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so I I think it, it might just be a matter of uh, approach for the two of us because I think it, around um around you know SP forty or so is when I am more likely to take a risk at pitcher. Sure. Um, on someone like Reyes or Glasnow or someone like that, uh, where it sounds like you're looking for more of a sure thing, maybe more like a Hendricks or a Freeland along those lines. Um, yeah, I think I would take Freeland. I would take Glasnow there, but only because he's starting the season there. If Alex Reyes was starting the year, that would be a totally different thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's so also dependent upon who my, my one, two are. But yeah, I, I, I would agree with what you said. Okay, that makes sense. All right, now I know uh, you've got something to say about this next guy. So <laughs> yeah, uh, this is it. This is our one big uh, difference. I'm just gonna let you uh, go ahead on into this one. I'll even let you introduce him. Go ahead. Okay. 
I'm I'm actually very excited to hear your counter. I'm very receptive to it. And this is we're going to talk sure. about Chase Anderson. Um, so you've done some great research about Chase Anderson. He's your SP 53, 190th overall. He's got an ADP of 387, and you are one of the higher guys on the industry in him because he's the 104th SP off the board. Did a little bit of digging into Chase Anderson. No starting pitcher had a larger disparity between their ERA and FIP than Chase Anderson. We talked about Chris Archer being in the top 10. Chase Anderson led that list, which is not a list you really want to lead. And I think he's really going to be falling back down to earth in 2019. And I want to stay away. He had a 5.22 FIP. He had a 239 BABIP on the year last year, which is insane in and of itself. He's got a 280 BABIP on the career, so it's not like his his fence post is not 300 like it is for most. But with that said, 239 is unsustainable, and it's very, very uh, lucky. I, I don't really like to use the word luck with BABIP, but it's, just a, it's crazy. Um, his home run rate – nearly doubled from what it was from 2017's very good campaign. He had a 0.89 home run per nine in 2017 that shot up to 1.71. He gave up the sixth most home runs in all of baseball. I think the honor maybe went to Dylan Bundy, I I think. Um, It's nice to see the Orioles winning at something. His, uh, (laughs) yeah, of course, uh, his walk rate, also went up to the to the mid threes. Surprisingly enough, if you look at his splits in the second half, his walk rate went down to the mid twos, which is more of what you would expect. But his second half ERA ballooned to 4.22. So him correcting his walk issues wasn't really even necessarily the underlying issue, which I think scares me even more. Um, he also he, – it was above – if you look at his X stats, above league average in his high drives – above league, like way above average, uh, league average, above league average in his value hits with the two kinds of contact you just don't want to be giving up as a pitcher. Uh, And if you look at other hard contact metrics, other pitchers who are giving up the same amount of hard contact as him, you have John Gray, you have Julio Tejeron, and you have Jake Odorizzi. So none of those things scream that he's going to have as, as successful as a campaign, and I think the other people around him um, just have a little bit more promise. Yeah, so uh, you're saying I'm one of the higher ones in the industry. I've done some great research and whatnot on him. Um, no. <laughs> I didn't – I have not actually taken that close of a look at Anderson okay. uh, this offseason. And looking at everything that you just presented, you are right. <laughs> I am definitely too high and i think that's going to be a thing that happens every once in a while on these rankings debates is someone's going to go pick through a position and they're going to find something where like i just was like oh yeah anderson he's throw him at sp53 um yeah 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 and then just kind of left him and didn't really comb through and make sure that that was the right decision because those are not good numbers you just gave me. <laughs> <laughs> They're scary. They're a little scary. They're a little yeah, scary. and I mean, I, I, I do, in his defense, I, I will try and push back a little bit here. Please, please. Um, I do think his 19% uh, K rate is going to come back up. Um, I guess it's really close, much closer to 20. Uh, but he still had a over 9% swinging strike rate. So I, I would not be surprised if we saw 2017's 23% K rate come back. 
Um, but the increase in walk rate is definitely concerning, along with uh, the uh, increase in his um, <clears throat> in his, like you said, the high drive rate and the kind of mm. kind of contact he's giving up is not what you want. Um, I think what had happened is I just had not followed the Brewers or Chase Anderson much at all throughout 2018, besides knowing that they somehow beat the Cubs um, for the NL Central title. Sure. But I think I had just not realized how much he had regressed back from 2017. Um, Because I remember looking at him between the offseason of 17 and 18 and thinking, oh, wow, those are some really nice changes that he's made. And those are like, yeah, it looks like he's a bit over his head with that 358 FIP from um, compared to his 274 ERA in 17. But 358, let's let's go for that. And uh, it got much worse in 18. And I agree. I, I don't really see too too strong of a path for him to put up the kind of uh, production you would expect out of the 53rd starting pitcher slot, which is where I have him. So mm-hmm. he's definitely a guy that now that you've brought to my attention, I will definitely be lowering in my rankings. Uh, let me see here where I think he'll end up in comparison. Um, let's see. I think I take Luke Weaver over him. So that's mm-hmm. down to 70. Um, Steven Matz is pretty close. That's Steven Matz, Derek Rodriguez, Joey Lucchese as 73, 74, 75. Probably somewhere around that range is where I okay. think I might have Anderson at this point. Um, but yeah, all great points. And like I said, that, that just might happen in some of these where I you know find a spot where I just hadn't you know made sure that everything was uh, – I had crossed all my T's and dotted my I's there. Well, let's. We're gonna move on to the to the to the two low guys. But before we do, I I want everyone to know that that what you just said, the past three minutes of what you just said, is truly why you're one of my favorite people to work with at PitcherList. Because I think a lot of times in this industry, you'll people are just gonna double down and they're gonna make an argument to hear themselves talk. And I think sometimes uh, people in our field are afraid to be like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'm just not right on that one. And I appreciate your argument and it's a good argument because they're afraid that that means that they're not gonna be legitimate. And of course that's incorrect. You're extremely legitimate and extremely knowledgeable about all things baseball. So I don't want that to go unnoticed about how much I appreciate uh, uh, that you did that. Well, I I appreciate acknowledging it. You know, at like I can see where people be scared about that because you, I, we do a lot of work. Like, oh yeah, we do a lot of work, and we want everyone to think that we've got everything the way we want it to be. Where, um, like, I would love for people to have read this and thought, "Wow, he's really high on Chase Anderson." And then take another look, and then then think, "Why is he so high on Chase Anderson?" Um, <laughs> no one asked me up to this point. No one asked me why I was so high. And I'm really just kind of not. It's just it was a case where it was a bit of an oversight where I had gone through so many yeah, names at that point where it just kind of it happens. Um, and, you know, yeah. I am very much willing to own when I am wrong or anything like this. So, yeah, I I definitely was. Uh, you're right. I was too high. So I'll be moving him down in my rankings uh, and you'll be, you'll see that reflected uh, when I update them for January. All right. 
So let's move on to the too low section. I would like to acknowledge we're at about the uh, hour 12, a little less than that here. So we're going to be going a little long on this podcast. Um, oh, God. <laughs> it haunts me. How dare you? How dare you, sir? <laughs> I had to. You, I had to. Okay. You, can't, you can't even blame me. All right. So we'll go a little faster through these sure. uh, i know you do want i know you want to talk about this guy though so let's uh take our take your, your, the time you need to talk about the first guy you think i'm too low on which is walker bueller i have him as my 18th starting pitcher uh 56 overall and i was surprised to see how high he was in nfbc now in nfbc leagues are notably pitcher heavy especially on perceived aces uh, he is the 12th starting pitcher off the board with, with an ADP of 39, 39th overall player. So NFBC loves him. So I, I am definitely lower than they are. So uh, what? why do you think I'm too low on Bueller here? I I, I think um, the, the main thing I hear about uh, Dodgers pitchers, obviously, is the Dodgeritis, right? About not knowing and what's going to happen. That's one of my biggest him. concerns about him, for sure. And very, you know, I, I I can agree with that. I do think he's in almost Kershaw territory, and that he's uh, their proven guy. And I think they're going to want him to be their ace down the stretch. And we don't know what's going to happen with Kershaw this year. So I, I do think, I hope, I hope he is going to be exempt from that. Um, I don't think you and I have any disagreements about his talent level um, at all. Um, I think even if we see regression for him this year, we're talking about a high two, low three ERA guy with a nine K per nine and a mid two walk per nine. We're in an interesting field because I think you can make the case that he you can, I think, make the case that he should be above Granky because Granky could lose a step or get injured as he gets older. I think you could make a case. I had an interesting I should look at the results of that poll. Um, I did a little poll on Twitter today about who people should uh, take, who they would take off the board between Walker Bueller and Mike Clevenger. Because um, I noticed that you had them pretty close and uh, so did uh, Nick. He has them neck and neck. And there were 220 votes. 76% said Walker Bueller over Mike Clevenger, uh, which mm. I thought was interesting because I thought it was a little bit closer than that. I do also like Bueller a little bit more than Clevenger because I think Clevenger is a little bit more of a nibbler than Bueller is. Bueller kind of, I think, is better at attacking the zone a little bit more. I think you could make a ca- I really think you could make a case of for him over Corbin, which is kind of crazy. I think he's younger and he's got fewer injuries than Corbin. And the same thing about Thor. Thor obviously I think has is the better overall pitcher, but when he's on the mound and when his stuff is working. Um, so I'm not going to go too long on about Bueller. I think his his fastball is legit. I think he put it all together. I don't think it was a fluke. I think he could be a, a really good get for you in 2019. Totally reasonable. And you would take him as your SP1? If I went really hitter heavy in the first round or so, or round or two, yeah, I'd be fine having him as my SP1. Wow. Okay. Um, for me, I am a big believer in the sophomore slump. I think yeah there's not there probably may not be too much statistical evidence for that phenomenon but i think it's a matter of scouting where there's so much video so many different angles and so much data that uh mlb teams have for opposing uh players that given an off season to comb through it i think they're gonna the league is going to adjust to him a bit it's going to be a matter of whether or not he can adjust back to um the league and I, I again, super talented. I, I yeah. do not disagree with you at all on his talent. You're right. I do not disagree there. Um, 
I just I'm, I'm a bit concerned about how many starts he's going to get. Um, mm-hmm. Steamer has him getting 28 starts. I am not sure about that. I could I think he might be closer to like 22 or 24. Um, I know he's he's got a clean injury slate at this point, so that's good. I don't I'm never rooting for anyone to get injured. Um, just just for the sake of me being right. I don't I don't need that by any means. Um, but these phantom injury things that the Dodgers do with this Dodgeritis thing, I'm, I don't know. I'm just a bit concerned that they might um, try to preserve his innings, even if he doesn't have any injuries thing, injury issues, because he hasn't pitched too many innings in the past. Uh, last year, with he pitched 137 and a third innings in the majors and 23 and two thirds in the postseason with let's see uh 16 total in the minors so if i do some quick maths that's right around 180 total mm-hmm. but a lot with the uh postseason there allows him more stressful i think they might want him to throw in the regular season probably somewhere around 170 this next year because I th- they're gonna make the postseason um, I think the NL West is weaker than it was last year. I agree. Uh, yeah. I think the Dodgers are g- probably going to win that division, and they're going to want him for the postseason. So I think they might uh, limit his innings to around 170 during the regular season uh, with some of those possible like phantom injury sort of things with the Dodgeritis going on. But again, when he's on yeah, the field, I agree. I hear you. I th- when he's on the field, I think you're going to get. Great stuff, plenty of strikeouts, good ratios, etc. It's just a matter of, I think the other guys I have above him might give you more consistent um, numbers. Like I've got James Paxson just above him, um, who I still love despite his injury history, unfortunately. Uh, Grinky, and team choice. And team choice. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, now now on the Yankees, which Yankee Stadium doesn't help for sure, as far as that goes. Um, I can see the argument for him for putting Bueller above Paxson and Grinky, and I've got Grinky at sixteen. I would not take him above Clevenger. I like Clevenger quite a bit coming into this year. I think Clevenger. Sh- I I think he could be good for two hundred innings this year. Yeah. Um, with I agree. plenty of production otherwise, so, and that's something that I don't see us getting out of Bueller. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, then this next one here. Um, this should be an interesting discussion as well. Um, yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you lead off on this one? Sure. Zach Wheeler. I have him as my 27th starting pitcher, uh, 93rd overall. And um, NFBC pretty much agrees with me. Uh, they, they have him as the 28th starting pitcher at 95th overall. So basically on the exact same page. And... I loved seeing what uh, Wheeler was able to do in the second half of uh, last season, 2018. Um, Huge fastball with some solid breaking stuff to go with it. Um, And it was very impressive. He had some great numbers that you're going to highlight here in just a moment. My biggest concern with Zach Wheeler is that he is the poster boy for the Mets injury woes. Yeah. Like we we mean the Mets all the time for not being able to keep their players, especially their pitchers, uh healthy. And that's due in part a lot to Wheeler, who missed 
all of 2015 with Tommy John surgery. He mm. missed all of 16 with a flexor strain and a couple other complications to that same throwing elbow. And he missed most of 2017 as well with some arm issues, including a bicep strain and a stretch fracture in his elbow. Like, this was the first year since his rookie year in... Uh, in what would it have been? Oh, sorry, I'm on the wrong page. Still on Bueller's page. Page. Uh, it was his first time 2013. since 2013 that he's mm-hmm. stayed healthier. 2014. Uh, 2014. He had 185 innings pitched and he looked great. Uh, 354 ERA, 170 or 187 strikeouts. He looked great in 2014 and he hasn't been healthy since. 29 starts last year. 182 innings were great. I, I love being, seeing him be successful. He was a great prospect coming up and always uh, hyped a lot. I'm just not sure that we can trust him to stay on the field um, and give us another 29 starts. Yeah, I mean, those are totally your points about the Mets injuries. I don't think anyone can can argue with, especially regarding the past. He, he, he is definitely the poster boy for them. I think there's two key differences. I think the Mets have gotten wind of it. And I know they made some hires and changes in their medical staff for the 2018 season um, that has helped some. And uh, I, I, I don't know how, you know, I don't know what the correlation is. I, I can't say that, oh, they made a medical change and now everything's going to be better. But I will say that also the change of Mickey Calloway and having a pitching coach now be the manager, I think is uh, is is a good sign for them. I know they shut down Wheeler sure. at the end of the year because of his innings restriction. Um, so l- let me let me preface it this way then: if you knew you were going to get 180 innings out of Zach Wheeler, would you have him climb a little bit? Oh, for sure, absolutely. If I okay. knew that I was going to get 180 innings. I'd probably have him ahead of Strasburg, which would put him at 21. Okay. Then, you know what, to be honest, then we're, we're, we're in total agreement. And that's where I think our, our paths diverge for some reason to use sure. that phrase again, is I, I do think he, he, he has turned that quarter and he is going to be, uh, uh going to be healthy this year. Okay. And yeah. it's just a matter of what you think he's going to do medically i think yeah um he's got an amazing fastball oh yeah. he's got the, the breaking pitches to go with it it's just a matter of if he can stay on the field i think he's going to be successful even in an nl east that's significantly better than it was two years ago um you i don't think we can any longer call it the nl easy yeah um with the braves having one of the best offenses of baseball the Phillies are going to be good, especially if they get Harper or Machado on there. Um, I think the Nats can still be good. Um, he still gets to face the Marlins. Yeah, but you nice. know what? Even, even the Marlins pitching is not a total joke. You know what I mean? Like, what, oh, no. which is so – that's what's crazy to me. I mean, I mean, Nick and I were talking about this last year of like how we, you know it's so easy to find one guy in the Marlins to make fun of. But like they have talented arms. It's it's wild. And you're they right. They do. The, the Mets – the, Go ahead. The, the Mets too of, you know, to four Wheeler uh, for a point. Sorry, you broke up there a little bit. Oh yeah, no, no, I was saying that the Mets. You know, we talked about it a little bit, but the Mets also have gotten better. They have a better offense behind him, and he can be. They can have a top ten bullpen. I think. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. 
And, you know, to your point with the Marlins staff, that's where we're going with our next one. Ooh, love a good transition. Oh, man. Look at that segue. Oh, my God. Ride like that Job in Arrested Development. I'm all about it. Um, Oh, boy. (laughs) So the last one you think I am uh, too low on here is Caleb Smith. Mm -hmm. Um, I have him unranked. He did not make my top 300. And to be fair, when we go over to NFBC, he doesn't make their top 300. He is 406th ADP for NFBC right now. Wow. 112th starting pitcher off the board. Everyone has forgotten about him except for Mr. Alex Fast. Give us your case. (laughs) Give us your case here for Caleb Smith. I, okay. The, The counter to the case is his fastball. Everyone says it's not sustainable enough. It's not yeah. good enough. He doesn't have a good enough fastball. Uh, if you need a little bit of a refresher on Caleb Smith, which I guess everyone in the industry apparently does, he's a Marlins pitcher. He ended the year with 77 and a third innings pitched before uh, having surgery, I think, in his shoulder. Had a 4.19 right. ERA and a 3.96 FIP, largely because of what happened at the beginning of the year. Um, having a lot of walk issues, but then just started striking out guys left and right. Came out with a 10.24 K per nine. As the year progressed, those walks started to decrease crease a little bit he was finally getting into a stride bam then he gets injured to me the concerns are well founded it is not the best fastball in the industry it does have above average movement it also comes in at like 93 miles an hour and can be very hittable but a small step in the right direction with better command with that fastball it sets up his slider so well uh and oh, his slider is so good oh my god it is so so good so if he can pinpoint with um you know with that fastball uh and if he can it, it'll set up his slider very very well i i hear a lot of arguments too that like what is his third pitch is it, is it really good does he even really have a third pitch and he does he has his change up obviously he's he a starting pitcher up, yeah and it it is not the best change up in the world but it's also not terrible uh, i know it had like essentially a zero it had a negative 0.2 so you can call it pretty much even it was a run-of-the-mill um change up uh but in 2017 it was better it did have a 1.5 p-val so i think he can continue to put pieces together uh Obviously, I'm not talking about Caleb Smith being your your three pitcher. That, that's crazy to me. But I do think he's someone that I wouldn't want to let just sit on the waiver wire. I would be really happy to have Caleb Smith as my five, uh, as my one of you know my fifth pitcher in my rotation on my team, just to see what he can do. I think I if if I'm looking at your list, I think I would have him over Denilson Lamette only because we're going to probably get more innings out of Caleb Smith. Um, I. Th- think Even i would rather back from soldier surgery I, I think so i think from what i've seen he should be ready to start the year uh, i could be wrong about that but i think he's going to be ready to start the year whereas dinos and the mets probably not going to be back until like july maybe uh, august i think that is the case you're probably I think um, you're right no, so I, I i would put him there i think i would put uh, you you can speak a little bit more to this than i can but i think i'd put him over tukey because as of right now oh, oh tukey's their number five guy right I mean, Atlanta's rotation is going to be very interesting to watch this year. Um, Fulte and Gosman are locked in. Um, and we've also got Newcomb, Tehran, Tukey, and 
Um, oh gosh, Minter? No, not Minter. What's his name? Minter's um, the closer. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow, why am I blinking? Soroka. Soroka. Mike yeah. Soroka. Cool. Um, the, those other four, I think, we playing for the fifth spot at least out of spring training. And I, I expect it to go to Soroka. Mm-hmm. Um, the weird thing is, if the Braves continue to be competitive, which I, they should, uh, they're they're got a great offense and they've got some good pitching. And the thing is, if they continue to do well, and um, Tehran and Newcomb don't perform. I could see each of them possibly losing a starting role because there's so many young Atlanta pitchers that are kind of chomping at the bit at this point, uh, ready to come up and take that role. So yeah. I'm not, I don't think that um, Tuki Toussaint will have a starting role at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out of spring training, I think that fifth spot will go to Soroka, who I'm much higher on than Toussaint. Um, but I would not be surprised to see Toussaint make uh, maybe 10, 15 starts for Atlanta this year. Yeah, that I would put them. I would put them next to each other personally. That's uh, maybe we'll see what happens in spring training. If you draft late, if they do, if he does get that five job, I, I wouldn't have any problem giving it to Tukey. But uh, as it stands now, I'd probably take Smith over him. Sure. And uh, after I was looking at everything, this I mean, I, th- I think both of us are kind of right. I think the industry kind of has forgotten about Smith. Um, he plays for a bad team on the Marlins and he really did. He only pitched for the first half. So we weren't talking about him in the second half of the, se- half of the year. I love those guys. Um, yeah, th- that's where you can find a lot of value because I, I think I agree. I think that's a good spot for him. That'd be a- after Luke Weaver, who I think mm-hmm. will have a more consistent role uh, and has a higher upside as well. Um, but it's before guys like Toussaint and Nelson Lamette, who may not have as consistent a role or like with Lamette, uh, may not start the season um, due to injury. So. Well- yeah, put it, I put kind it, of agree that's a good spot for him. And, and you said he'd be happy to have him as your fifth. The best part about this is you don't have to pay yeah. if he's a number five yeah. because he's literally free in most leagues. Again, 406 ADP. Um, if you guys, most fantasy leagues aren't going to roster 400 players in the first place. If, if you want, he's basically free to be taken as your final pick. And yeah. with a 27% K rate last year, good slider. Yeah. It's not a bad last pick. That's a good That's, dart to throw. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I would I, To get a 10-plus K per nine is my last pick, uh, and he's going to be consistently starting? Yeah. I, I don't even care about the offense. I, I, I think that that's a nice bet to take. Yeah. I don't disagree at all, and I think I will actually include him in my top 300 there um, when I get my January update going. Nice. There you go. You cha- see, there you go. You changed my mind on a couple of them. I'm not such a dingus after all. No, oh, you've never been a dingus fast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we are definitely going long. So we're going to answer your guys' questions, though. That's how we always want to finish this out. Just a little recap. Uh, the guys that fast thought i was too high on in my starting pitching rankings in the top half here in the like one through 50 range uh, you thought i was a little too high on archer chris archer uh you darvish alex reyes 
and way too high on Chase Anderson, which I agree. Um, and you thought I was a little too low on Walker Bueller, Zach Wheeler, and much too low on Caleb Smith, to which I also agree. So that was our first round of our uh, rankings debates. You can expect to hear more of that over the next few weeks. Uh, we'll be doing every position, like I said. Should be 10 podcasts in 10 weeks. I'm excited for that awesome. challenge. Awesome. And it's going to be a lot of fun to do. It's going to be amazing. Excited to listen to it. Oh, it's going to be great. So we got to finish it out, though. We're, yeah, yeah. People, people want to hear their questions asked. They want to hear what you have to say. Again, if you guys want me to read your question on the air, you want to talk to myself or any of my guests, uh, you can send those questions by email to community at pitcherlist.com or tweet them directly to myself at Bristowski. So our first question here actually comes from one of our staff members, Dan oh. Richards. Uh, he wants to know, uh, what's it like being a fan of the, quote, oft inferior Orioles in arguably baseball's most competitive division? Oh, yeah, it's a great question. Um, is it always the most fun? No. But um, to be honest, I, I prefer it. Um, it's more of a roller coaster. Uh I I have a lot of faith in this organization with the changes that they made. Um, had had we not chosen who we chose for GM, um, Mike Elias, then I would have maybe had a different answer. But I like kind of having that underdog. I like not knowing at the beginning of the year that I'm gonna make the playoffs. If that sounds kind of weird, it makes it it makes it more bittersweet when you do. Like the Yankees go to the playoffs all the time. Like. They booed Brett Gardner in the wild card game against the Astros like four, three or four years ago, whatever, despite the fact that he got them there. And to me, I was like, how, how like, are you kidding me? When I watched the Orioles play the Rangers in their first wild card game, and I think it was the first wild card game ever, I, I will remember that for the rest of my life. I was happened to be there when Delman Young hit uh, the double against the uh, game two of the Tigers in the ALDS. I'll remember that for the rest of my life. I'm not saying that. Yankees fans uh, don't feel passionately about the playoffs, but I'm just making the case that to be a fan of a team that you just don't know if they're going to do it that year, uh, it just makes it more bittersweet. Yeah, and I can say as an Atlanta fan that's yeah. gone through this brutal, brutal uh, rebuild, last year was so much fun. And yeah. I feel like this is my team because I – I was born in 95. I watched the Braves win the 95 World Series as an infant on my father's chest. Um, so that the teams of the 90s for the dominant Braves were not my team. Um, my team has been the one that Freddie Freeman has struggled on for the past yeah. few years. Yeah. And now this one with Acuna, Albies, Freeman, and the rest. That's That's... That's the team I want to watch and the team I feel connected to. So I it definitely the the tough times make the um make the winning feel so much sweeter. And I think that's that can be said yeah. for life as well. Yeah, I I'm going to I'm going to leave that question with this. What is it to me that question reads as this. What's it like being a fan of Arya Stark when you could also like A Game of Thrones fan, but like that to me is the question. Why would I root for 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 Joffrey? He stinks. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. He's the boss. He's the evil thing. Arya is the best. Arya is cool. 
Anyway, that's uh, we're we're rewatching Game of Thrones, so that's why I said that. Uh, we are also watching Game of Thrones. My okay. fiance is watching it for the first time. Oh uh, wow! That's we just cool. started uh, season season seven. Oh, oh wow! You're really far ahead. Okay, we're we're in the middle of season two. We're, we we've already watched all of it, but we're uh, is she enjoying it? Oh, she loves it. Okay. Uh, how can you not? How could you? How could you not? I'm so excited for season eight. But I love that you just compared the Yankees to Joffrey. Yes, that's going to make so many Yankees fans salty. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the next one here uh, is from one of our editors, John Hale. Uh-huh. He wants to know if you think the opener will be a one or two season fad, or if it will become commonly used throughout parts of the game across MLB in years to come. I think you will see more small market teams start to use it and utilize it the way that the Rays have. I think the Rays have shown that you can have success with it over the course of a full season, more than enough success. I mean, they won over 90 games last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Orioles start to employ it. Um, It makes analytical sense. And as for front offices, for better or worse, become more analytical, they will start to utilize it a little bit more. Um, Is it the new mainstay? I don't think so. I think uh, the game ebbs and flows um, uh, and things change. Uh, and people, you know, it's almost like game theory that people kind of counter one another. Um, but yeah. w- do I think it will be around for the next five or 10 years? Yeah, I, I do. I think it will be something that is, we're going to start to see a, a little bit more of. Yeah. I agree. I think teams like the Rays, um, like I said, maybe the Orioles, uh, the athletics, I think those small market yeah. teams that can't afford to sign your Max Scherzer of the world. Um, I think they could definitely continue using this and i mean brian kenny has been arguing that this should be a thing for years now i remember him talking about that back in like 2012 um so from a sabermetric side it, it makes sense um it might not be as sexy as watching you know scherzer or Degrom throw a complete game shutout but it it's effective and i think um until it stops working until we come up with something better I think we could definitely see this be used in years to come. Yeah. And to anyone who's like, well, don't you want to see the Scherzers and DeGroms? Yes. Do you want to see the David Hesses and Dylan Coveys? Not necessarily. So when those guys come up in the rotation, I'd rather see an interesting tactic that helps my team win. That's all I care about. For sure. Yeah. I think uh, I don't think you're going to hear too many Tampa fans that are upset. Totally. The opener is being utilized down there. And I mean. They still get Snell. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. St- every five days, they still get to watch Snell. And you know, I haven't seen many give Ryan Yarbrough his innings posters. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh man, Yarbrough won people leagues. Yeah, we were talking about this today on the in the Discord channel. If you were in a uh, a fantasy league where there was a starts limit, I was Ryan Yarbrough won you your lead because he had 16 wins i know he got me to my playoffs single-handedly i i he really did i know because I, I was in a you know we have 12 starts per week and he i would get points because he didn't count as a start anyway he yeah. didn't count as a start there you go i'm interested to see if uh any kind of backlash comes to fantasy circles with if this becomes a more mainstay strategy as well it's yes. interesting to see if fantasy will adapt to what the major league major leagues have done um for example uh the 10 day dl um my yeah. dynasty league went from having which my dynasty league has 35 roster spots of mixed 
uh, minors and majors. So um, what we had prior to 10-day DL is just three DL spots. And now after that, we added two more. We're now at five DL spots because people go on the DL more often. You don't. Totally. It's only 10 days. So I think fantasy will have to adapt if this is going to be a thing to come. Yeah. Here's a fun one from uh, David Fenko, another one of our new additions to the staff here. Along with your new uh, Williams Astadio jersey, will (laughs) you, Mr. Alex Fast, be growing out your hair to match? Oh, Oh my God. Uh, When I – if I were to do that, I would look like either Toad or like (laughs) – uh, uh, a Jewish member of the Beatles. Like uh, my hair doesn't really grow out and it doesn't curl. It just gets thicker. Um, so no, I don't think I will, but I do love the question and I'm very thankful that my wife got me that Jersey for Christmas. I absolutely love it very much, man. She, she's a keeper. She is. She is. Uh, the next one here came from Twitter. It's from at King B done. My good buddy. Uh, he wants to know which team do you think would be the most foolish to sign Harper or Machado? Oh, that's interesting. Um, you know, I, I really do think that the, the Yankees would be the most foolish to, to sign Machado. Um, I, I really do. I, I, I'm once again, I'm removing my bias. I think they are so set. I do think that Andrew Hart can improve at third base. I just really don't think they need him. I don't think his lack of hustle attitude is going to change, and I don't think he's going to get along with the New York media as a result of it. Um, I think they have some great leadership already. Um, I, I just don't think he would be the best fit there. Of the three major teams that are pursuing him, I personally predicted that he was going to go to Philly. I still think that's the best fit for him. But I really just don't think the Yankees need Manny Machado. Like, I just don't think they need him. Um, for the On the counter side, I do think they need Bryce Harper. I think it would be very smart for Bryce Harper to go there. Um, but what team would be the most foolish? That's really interesting because I think I was my, – my pick for foolish – for Harper was the Yankees. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I don't think he's a first baseman. I don't think they want him to play first base and their outfield is stacked. Yeah. It's stacked yeah. with, with judge Stanton and Hicks. I know one of them can DH, but man, there's nowhere for him to play in the outfield for, for Harper. I would, I, I don't think I do not think the Yankees should sign Harper. Um, Machado, I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, I that, that might not make the most sense. I don't think Yankees should sign either of them. I think if they want Machado, they should go out and sign Moustakis. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a great point. That's a great point. So, yeah, I agree. I think also on the other side, I don't think the Dodgers really need Harper. I just think they have. I don't know. They have so much young outfield talent. I know they shipped off Puig. I know they shipped off Camp, which to me signals that that's probably where he'll end up. Um, and we're also, you know, we're talking about the major teams here. I think it would be foolish for the Orioles to sign these guys. I think it would be sure. foolish for the A's to sign these guys. Um, but of the major guys, I, I, I uh, uh, yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. I think setting up to get Harper by dealing Kemp and Puig, if that is their end game, is more foolish. It makes sense for them now that they've done that, but they just they were stacked in the outfield and they still have Verdugo and they still have plenty of guys that they can put in the outfield. I don't know. I don't think they necessarily need them. 
All right, real quick, um, just two seconds. Which team do you think think will sign Harper? Which team do you think will sign Machado? I'm sticking to my guns. I think the Phillies are signing Machado, and I think the Yankees are signing Harper and having him at first base. Okay. I think the Phillies are signing Machado, and I think the White Sox are signing Harper. Oh, love that. Wouldn't that be so much fun? Oh, my God. That'd be fun. Wow. I would love that. That'd be amazing. And ESPN would freak out because they'd be like, there's a second team in Chicago? Yeah, exactly. They'd have to finally remember the White Sox. 2004. God. All right. Um, This was an interesting question I got on Twitter, and I feel like there's a story to it. And I'm very (laughs) interested to hear it. Uh, This is from at RainmakerJL. Yes. And uh, the question is, what are you most thankful for in 2018? That is my boss. (laughs) And uh, he uh, so I will say that I am most thankful for him. But I'm really most thankful for my wife. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. I only said that because she just came back into the apartment. If she wasn't here, then it would be a different answer. Oh, well. I'm kidding. That sounds like the right answer. (laughs) I'm most thankful for my fiance. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Speaking of my fiance. Oh. She actually had the last question I want to ask you. Uh, We were talking about this podcast, and she's like, what do you do? I'm like, well, we talk about... We get to know them. We I, we do a little bit of analysis, and then I ask some community questions. She's like, "Can I ask a question? Will you, will you talk about it on the air?" I'm like, "If it's a good question." And so she hit me with this: "Where do you think PitcherList is going to go within the year or the next few years?" And I'll preface it with: Our staff just grew from around 40 people to over 100 members. Uh, we're now producing five major podcasts, including On the Farm, our brand new Prospect Center podcast that just debuted awesome. this morning. Yeah. That's so fun. I'm, I have not listened to it yet. I'm so excited to give it a listen. We're growing. We are growing. And it's very, very exciting. Um, you are the pitcher list. Um, head of operations. Head of operations. Mm-hmm. Right. What, yeah, uh, I love our titles. They crack me up. I love our titles. Um, where do you think – where would you like to see us go? Where do you think we're going? Yeah, well, okay. So obviously, you know, I'll get put my corporate hat on because we should think of us as a little mini corporation. And I am I am but a rung. So all of my opinions are not Nick Pollock's. He is the all-father, and he, he says where we're going. But in my opinion, where do I think we're going to be going? I think we're going to continue to expand. I think we're going to continue to to get people into our community because I truly think it's the best fantasy community out there. Um, it's just – it's amazing. Everyone's incredible. Everyone's super kind, and I think we're all just really grateful to have a place to talk baseball. So I think we're going to continue to expand that. Um, I think – one day we could have our own, you know, um, fantasy services, our own customizable uh, yeah. naturalist fantasy services. I think one day we could have um, mobile applications. I think uh, one day we could be, you know, up there with the greats like fan graphs um, in terms of places for content. Um, I, I I see us continuing to grow um, to be more of a name and to be as the social media become more lax from the MLB, becoming more of a reason why um, uh, become more of an ambassador for the game. Um, 
which is you know some sort of what Rob Friedman and Pitching Ninja has become, right? Yeah. Um, I, I see us becoming that, becoming a vehicle that uh, connects fans to their favorite players. Um, I 100% agree. Yeah, and I that's think, where I think we're going. Yeah, and uh, myself as a staff manager, I'd love to kick in as well and say I think pitcher lists can be a lot more than just a fantasy baseball site. I think it can just be a general baseball site. And I was even talking to Nick to, earlier today, and I – Without exaggeration, I know, of course, I, I'm biased in this, but I think Pitcher List legitimately is one of the most exciting up-and-coming baseball sites on the internet right now. Um, you're right. We have a fantastic yeah. community, a great uh, base of readers and listeners and supporters right now. Um, and it's a great community, and I think it's only going to continue growing. I'm so excited to see what this new... Uh, passionate huge staff is going to be capable of and you're going to get to hear from a lot of them um in this in these rankings debates a lot of those guys are going to be making up some of um, those guests that i'll be having for the rankings debates i i agree i would love to see us become a fantasy hosting site where people could play on pitch on pitcher list instead of play on espn for example yeah, that'd be pretty cool um and i mean that's not even that big of a like dream like yeah, it might be a few years down the road but espn cbs those are you know sports news sites Mm-hmm. That's what Pitcher List is. Yeah. So I think it's definitely possible that we could get there in the future, and we we are we're definitely growing, we're definitely becoming you know more recognizable within the fantasy community. And I think as we continue to grow in this community, uh, we may begin to push into the general baseball community. And I think you're right. I think um, we could be that avenue for fans to connect with uh, their their team and their player, whether it be through fantasy or otherwise. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. It's it is a very, very exciting time to be in the pitcher list staff, or even just watching us as a fan or a supporter. It's you, you guys are getting some great content from some very passionate uh, up and coming writers. It's we could do a lot of great things yeah. in the next few years. And I am so, so very excited and honored to be on this crazy ride with us here. You're a part of it, man. You're the reason we are where we are. I mean, you are as much as I am, my friend, if not more. So it's going to be so much fun to see where we can go going forward. And uh, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Me too. So there you go. That was from my fiance. So very nice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, we've been talking for nearly two hours. Wow. Um, I would have killed everyone. Yeah, (laughs) this is going to be one of the longer ones. But, you know, on the list has never been about being succinct. You said yourself, you're not you. You you are a rambler. And I am. I hate it. And hey, a lot of our listeners love it. Right. They want, they come and listen to On the List to get to know our writers, and that's why you're here. And you gave us some great observations on starting pitchers as well. They, you got to answer uh, their questions. That's why we have On the List. Is it's it's less about the analytical side, though we do want to put in some of that. Yeah. But it's more to get to know our writers, so you guys can see that yeah, we're real people behind those bylines. 
So, um, Alex, cool. thank you so much oh for coming goodness. on. Yeah, uh, it was. This was blast. so much fun. Yeah, thank you. Truly, thank you for having me. It was. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Do you have anything uh, you would like to say before we sign off here? No, just thanks for having me. And we're, we're, we're to all those who are still listening and have listened. We're very excited to share some really amazing stuff coming up for you in the 2019 season. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun. 4.0 release uh, the Tuesday after uh, the Super Bowl. So yep. uh, beginning of February there. Look forward to that, y'all. I'm going to have a special guest on that week. Woo! So uh, that'll be fun. Little little uh, month-long tease there. So uh, with that, uh, one more time, Alex, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at AlexFast8. Alex Fast Eight. Very there you go. That's very succinct, very easy to say, very easy for them to go find you. Yeah. And it's been a blast having you on. Uh, we're gonna have to get you back on some point once I get everyone else on here. My yeah. my goal has always been to get every single member of the Pitcher List staff on here. It just got to be a bit more of a long term goal now that we're upwards over a hundred members. But you know what? I'm up for it. So so. For Alex Fast, my name is Austin Bristow II, and this has been On The List.